Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for our Tuesday edition for week 23. That is March 21st of 2023. That is today's date. Uh, I am your host, Karsten. Welcome back, everyone. Um, before we begin with our normal show, um, we have some unfortunate news that came out today, uh, NBA-related news. Um, today, we saw the passing of one of the greatest players in NBA history, uh, Willis Reed of the New York Knicks. Um there's a lot we can talk about with Willis Reed. Um, of course, most people latch on to his historic, um, <clears throat> memorable performance in Game 7 of the Finals uh, in 1970. <clears throat> Excuse me. He um, had been injured earlier in the series, uh, was able to make a brief appearance early in the game, knocked down a couple shots, um, did not play much of the rest of the game. But his leadership in that moment has always been a lasting memory, not just for the Knicks franchise, but for the New York sports uh, world and the world as the, the sports world as a whole. Um, you know, his name is synonymous with, you know, gutting it out through injury, playing through tough circumstance and, um, you know, being there for your team. But more, more than just that moment, he was one of the great all time players and he was maybe the greatest leader we've seen, or one of the greatest leaders we've seen in NBA history. Um, of course, his nickname was the captain. Um, he was a little bit undersized as a center, but that didn't stop him from being a perennial all-star, um, a league MVP in an era that was still uh, in large part dominated by Wilt Chamberlain and the the newly, um, <clears throat> the newest uh, star in the league at that time, uh, then Lou Alcindor, of course, later uh, became Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, there's, it, it's just, uh, it's tough to really say too much, or to even, it's tough to meet his legacy, what he meant to not just um, the Knicks, but the league as a whole and the sports world. Of course, touching on that, just to touch on that briefly with his his heroics, but. Um, I mean, statistically, we can talk about he was a consistent, you know, 20 point per game, 13 to 14 rebound um, stalwart and star at the center position. Um, again, undersized, you know, 6'9", 6'10"-ish, um, good build. But more than that, he he achieved in the league. Again, seven-time All-Star, two-time champion in 1970 and 1973, both with the New York Knicks. Uh that 1970 season was very special all around for Willis Reed, of course, winning the championship. That was also the year that he won the MVP. He was the finals MVP, and he was also the MVP of the all-star game that very same season. So he had an incredible year that year. Um, he's continued to be honored um, for what he means to the league. He was one of the 50, 50 greatest players of all time. He's on the NBA's 75th anniversary team. Um he contributed to um, the world as a whole in, in a number of ways after his playing career as well. Um, number retired, of course, by the Knicks, and he always will hold a special place um, in the Knicks franchise history and the NBA's history as a whole, and uh, a very special member of the NBA family. So definitely tough to hear that, hear that news. Um, <clears throat> I'm working on something for our... Um, our podcast page. I think we're going to maybe do a small little tribute uh, to Willis Reed with our um, design for our Instagram page 
you know, just doing a small little gesture that we can um, in regard to Willis Reed. So definitely stay tuned to that. But wanted to lead with that because of how important that news was. Um, that being said, let's go ahead and uh, and switch gears. Let's get into the meat of our show today, um, <clears throat> starting with our game summaries. Firstly, uh, the Charlotte Hornets were able to get another win, uh, this time at home against the visiting Indiana Pacers. Uh, definitely a tough loss for the Pacers at this time as they're trying to get into that play-in picture. Um, and the Pacers actually led most of this game. Uh, the Hornets took their biggest lead in the end of that fourth quarter to, to lead the, to, you know, win the game in that situation for the Pacers. They were led by two 20 point scorers, Buddy Heald and miles Turner. Uh, they also got 12 points and 10 rebounds off the bench from Isaiah Jackson. Meanwhile, for Charlotte, uh, 28 points for Kelly Oubre jr. Uh, he continues to have a very strong last few weeks of play 23 points and nine assists for Terry Rozier. Uh, 14 points, 17 rebounds for Nick Richards starting at center, and 22 points for Gordon Hayward as the Hornets get a very nice win against the Indiana Pacers. Next, the um, <clears throat> Chicago Bulls won a very exciting game and a very big game uh, for their schedule. They won in Philadelphia against the 76ers, maybe the best team over the last few weeks in the NBA uh, and they win that game in double overtime, 109 to 102. Uh, close game throughout, very exciting game. Overall, there were 14 lead changes, many of those coming in the fourth quarter and onward. Um, in the fourth quarter, no one led, f- fourth quarter and both overtimes, no one led by more than five points. Um, very exciting game, but again, a very big win for Chicago in this one. For the Sixers, they were led again by Joel Embiid's uh, incredible performances. 37 points, 16 rebounds, and three blocks. They also had 22 points, six assists, five rebounds from Tyrese Maxey. 14 points from Tobias Harris. He had nine rebounds as well. 19 points off the bench for DeAnthony Melton and James Harden uh, with just five points, but he did have 12 assists and seven rebounds. Still strong performances from the Sixers. Maybe they would have been... Uh, in more of a winning position with a touch more scoring from some of the other guys. Um, but, you know, you have some off nights and uh, sometimes they play against teams that have really good nights and it was maybe a mix of both Chicago, just a little bit better team on that particular night. Uh, Chicago led by Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, as you'd expect, they combined for 51 points. Levine with 26 points uh, and seven assists. DeRozan with 25 points and eight rebounds. He also racked up, uh, him and Zach Levine each had three steals and one block individually, uh, six steals and two blocks between them combined. So very impressive there. Nikola Vucevic, uh, 21 points, 12 rebounds, four steals, continuing to be very stout inside. Uh, Kobe White and Derek Jones Jr. Uh, scoring in double figures off the bench as, again, very impressive win for the Bulls in Philadelphia against the 76ers. Next, um, this is tough. The, the New York Knicks lost at home against the Minnesota Timberwolves, 140 to 134, despite a great game from Julius Randle. We'll talk about that in just one second. Um, as far as the flow of the game, <clears throat> Minnesota held the biggest leads of the game. Uh, the Knicks cut it down uh, and took the lead in the third quarter. It was back and forth through the fourth, had a chance to win, but unfortunately for them, Minnesota was still able to come out on top in this game. 
Um, for the Knicks, we mentioned Julius Randle. He had a 57-point game, a career high, and the highest points um, scored by any New York Knick in the past uh, eight or nine years. Uh, the last player to score 50 points for the Knicks since um, Carmelo Anthony. So it's been a wild, great game for him. Tough that they lost that game. Um, <clears throat> he was supported by Jalen Brunson's 23 points and 10 assists, uh, 13 points from RJ Barrett, 19 points off the bench for Emmanuel quickly and 10 points off the bench as well for Josh Hart. Um, meanwhile, for the Timberwolves, uh, all five starters scored 10 or more points being led by Torian Prince's 35 points, Mike Conley, 24 points, 11 assists, uh, 18 points, four rebounds for Jaden McDaniels, 16 points. Uh, for Rudy Gobert, 10 points, 9 rebounds for Kyle Anderson. They also had a couple of 10-plus point-per-game guys off – or point, uh, 10-plus point games uh, off the bench. From Nas Reed, 12 points, and Jalen Noel, uh, 14 points. So Timberwolves just a little bit better all around. Julius Randle still had a great game. Tough for him to lose in that, uh, that circumstance. Next, the Golden State Warriors uh, <clears throat> were able to snap their – uh, I believe it was uh, more than 10-game losing streak uh, in road games. They were able to win on the road in Houston against the Rockets, 121-108. to um, Pretty close game uh, for the most part. And then in the fourth quarter, the Warriors took a bigger lead and were, were able to seal the deal in that fourth quarter. For the Rockets, they were led by Terry Eason's 21 points, 12 rebounds. And they also got 20 points from Jalen Green, 17 points and 11 rebounds from Jabari Smith Jr., continuing to start at center, 17 points as well for Kevin Porter Jr., uh, Kenya Martin Jr., and Josh Christopher also in double-figure scoring. Meanwhile, for the Warriors, Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson uh, hitting five three-pointers each. Steph Curry with 30 points, seven rebounds, five assists. Klay Thompson with 29 points, seven rebounds. Um, we also got 11 points, 10 boards from Kevon Looney starting at center, 17 points off the bench from Jonathan, Jonathan Kaminga and the Warriors get a very nice win on the road. Again, huge for their momentum to, uh, get a road victory at this time. Next, the Memphis Grizzlies won at home against the Dallas Mavericks in a, a rally in this one. They were down as much as, uh, 16 points, uh, 16, uh, in the end of the third quarter. They rallied back in the fourth quarter to win the game after it was close throughout the first half as a whole. For Dallas, Kyrie Irving again leading the way, 28 points, 12 points from Josh Green, 20 points each off the bench for Christian Wood and Jaden Hardy. Uh, those are the four double-figure scorers. Meanwhile, for Memphis, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., excuse me, 28 points led their scoring effort. 22 points off the bench, along with 14 rebounds for the sophomore standout, Santi Aldama. 17 points for Desmond Bain, and 16 points for Tyus Jones. Uh, also 10 points for Luke Kennard as they get that nice win <clears throat> Excuse me, against the Dallas Mavericks. And finally, this is, you know, I was happy to see this, of course, as a, a Jazz fan myself, the Utah Jazz uh, win at home holding off a rally by the Sacramento Kings. They win 128 to 120. They continue to have some impressive wins. Um, the Jazz led by as much as 25 points early in the second quarter. Again, the Kings rallied, tied the game at multiple points, very back and forth fourth quarter. 
and then the Jazz were able to build an, build enough of a lead at the end, the last few minutes, to seal the victory in this one. For Sacramento, they were led by De'Aaron Fox, his 37 points and 7 assists. Uh, Demonis Sabonis, 11 points, but he also had 12 rebounds and 9 assists. Keegan Murray, the rookie, with 22 points, uh, 6 three-pointers for 18 of those 22 points. 16 points for Harrison Barnes and 15 points off the bench for Malik Monk. Meanwhile, for Utah, <clears throat> this time around, it wasn't uh, Larry Markinen's heroics. In fact, he did not play in this game. Uh, it was the rookie, Ochai Agbaji, 27 points for an, by far a career high, six three-pointers on 10 three-point attempts. So very impressive game for the rookie. Um, they also got 19 points, 10 rebounds, eight assists, a near triple-double for Kelly Olenek. 12 points for Simone Fontecchio getting the start. Uh, 10 points each for Taylor Horton Tucker and Walker Kessler to round out the, the starting lineup. Kessler also had five blocks in this game. So both rookies really stepping up in <clears throat> a starting opportunity. Off the bench, Chris Dunn, 18 points, 10 assists uh, with his newly uh, recently acquired contract within the last uh, couple of weeks. He was on a 10-day contract, now on a long-term contract with the Jazz, um, at least in the next season or two. Able to really provide some big contributions off the bench. Uh, and then Rudy Gay, Hudoka Azabuke, both with 10-plus uh, points off the bench themselves. So a great all-round effort for the Jazz to get a very impressive win against the Sacramento Kings. And that takes care of our game summaries from last night's action. Um, when it comes to our key news, um, outside, of course, that tough news we started with um, about the passing of Willis Reed, we really don't have a ton of other news items. We have a couple of Memphis items. Firstly, Dylan Brooks uh, has automatically been suspended one game without pay uh, because he did receive his 18th technical foul um, in a recent game. So um, I'll most likely serve that suspension uh, in their following game, tomorrow's game. And speaking of tomorrow's game for Memphis, uh, Coach Taylor Jenkins says that the Grizzlies as a whole are anticipating John Morant uh, will return to play tomorrow in their game at home versus the Houston Rockets. So we'll definitely have to keep an eye out on that. Finally, some good news for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, who has missed much of the season, uh, it has been upgraded to questionable for tomorrow's game at home versus the Atlanta Hawks. Now, again, that's not a guarantee that he will play in that game, but it's a big step forward for a guy, again, who has... You know, we haven't really had much of a timetable for his return. He's missed, you know, several months. So for him to get back on the floor will be great for the Timberwolves. Um, so that's our key news, really. And, you know, I talked about us talking about the award chases today, like we normally do on a Tuesday. Um, and simply put, I I re was realizing there's not too much more that has changed compared to last week as far as, you know, updated uh, award chases. You know, Wyatt and I discussed MVP race a little bit. Um, I mentioned that Embiid would be my choice for an MVP at this point in the season. And it seems like that has been kind of a, an across-the-media shift where he's starting to get a little bit more emphasis and has, quote-unquote, taken the lead. You know, if you look at the NBA's uh, MVP ladder that's done by uh, a few different journalists, um, they a lot of them are saying that M Embiid has be become the recent favorite to win the MVP. Um, so that's been a change. Otherwise, 
you know, Brooke Lopez and Jaron Jackson Jr. are likely still your front runners for the defensive player of the year. Paolo Bencaro is still a standout as a rookie. Um, although, you know, Walker Kessler has been solid. He wouldn't be really in that running. It would either be Bancaro or either Jabari Smith or Jaden Ivey. But again, Bancaro has still separated himself uh, from the rest of the pack enough. seems like he's kind of got that award locked down. Um, you know, there's some still some healthy and interesting conversation that can be had around both sixth man of the year as well as most improved player. Um and as we get closer to the end of the season, we'll probably have a little bit more um, solid conversations around the war chases, especially with things like six man of the year, um, because we will have more concrete, you know, statistics and ideas of who qualifies for that award. You know, six man of the year depends on how many games you've actually started uh, for your team. If you've started more than a certain amount, then you're not eligible for the six man award. So We'll have a little bit more clear idea who's actually eligible for that award a little bit later on as we get to these last few weeks. Um, I mean, we've only got, we've got less than three weeks to go. So um, we're coming up on that, but, uh, and then the coach of the year, you know, Mike Brown is probably a pretty good pick at this point. Um, there's maybe a couple of other names you could talk about, but he would be my pick if I had a vote in that say, but otherwise, again, there's not too much more to update you on the word chases. Um just wanted to preface that a little bit, you know, give some small updates, but we won't have a really long conversation about that because there hasn't been a big change, but I do have some plans for us to, um, with these last, you know, a couple of weeks, uh, last couple of Tuesday shows, we'll have some more, uh, concrete discussions around the award chases. Um, with that, that's really what I wanted to talk about there. We've done our key news. We've done our game summaries. Um, and we'll, we'll keep this one short again, still kind of a somber day, uh, with the news coming out of, uh, you know, the the New York uh, sports world and the NBA sports world. Um, so we'll, we'll go ahead and get things wrapped up for you here. Firstly, our This Day in History fact, we're going a ways back. We're going to 1953, uh, March 21st of 1953. Bob Cousy scored 50 points, and 25 of those came in overtime play as the Boston Celtics outlasted the Syracuse Nationals 111 to 105 in four overtimes, four overtime game to eliminate the Nationals in the Eastern Division semifinals. So this was a playoff moment. This is, you know, a lot of storylines here. This is a huge moment in NBA history. Additionally, Bob Cousy's 30 free throws made was an NBA playoff record. I would proffer to say that if it's not the current playoff record, it's still top five. Um, making 30 free throws in a single game is incredible, regardless of era. And also 25 points in that overtime period. You know, you think about it, if you play four overtimes, you're almost playing, you're playing nearly two different games. You know, in the first game, the the regulation game, you scored 25. And then the overtime game, the second game, you scored 25 as well. So impressive numbers all around and a very unique and um, interesting and important era, not era, but a moment from a, an era we don't talk about as much in NBA history. Um, but certainly one of the game's early great players in Bob Cousy. Um, with that, that, that takes care of our this day in history fact, and we'll go ahead and wrap things up for you. Uh, thank you again for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. If you want to check out our Instagram page, that's, crossover across time on Instagram, all one word. We share content from uh, the show. 
along with doing our best to share content from across the NBA. So it's definitely a great place to uh, keep up with NBA events along with listening to the podcast. Um, so we really appreciate you checking it out. And we appreciate you listening in, uh, listening in to this show. Tomorrow, we should hopefully be back with Justin to do our game summaries, our key news, uh, and then dive into probably a little bit more playoff preview type discussion as we're getting a bit of a clearer picture there, um, along with our normal weekly predictions. So thanks again, and we'll be back with you tomorrow.